But Wicked Smart Sports Guys is brought to you by CellMaxBatteries.com, the go-to website for all your battery needs. CellMax Batteries carries a full line of super heavy-duty, ultra-alkaline, lithium, and button cell batteries. CellMax Batteries compares in quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, CellMax Batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. People, do you know what season it is? It is hurricane season, okay? Your power's gonna go out, and you're gonna be stuck in the flooded water, whatever, something's gonna happen, all right? It's hurricane season, stuff, goes, stuff happens. So you're gonna need batteries in stock, okay, at your house, so you can control flashlights, remote controls, gaming controls, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke lamps, whatever device, radios, flashlights, you're gonna need those devices in hurricane. So whatever device you need a battery for, Sunlight Batteries has the best batteries at the best price for your device. You can order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries for only $5.99. That's enough to get you through the hurricane, all right? 24 or a 24-pack of ultra-alkaline ID for all kinds of gaming and high-tech devices at just $12.99. Order today and use one code BOSTON at checkout. That's all over case BOSTON and save 20% off your entire order. That's coupon code BOSTON at checkout and save big today. Sunmaxbatteries.com, C-E-L-L-M-A-X-Batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Get Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks, as always, to Dolly Dreams for the intro music. There is a lot happening in the Boston sports world right now. Too much happening, you might say. Uh, and joining us to talk about a chaotic weekend for New England sports is Boston Sports Report founder and guy Boston sports writer, Gio Rivera. Gio, have you had the time to process everything that's happened over the last 48 hours or so? Not exactly. I'm hanging in there with uh, the combination of what the Red Sox are putting me through and what potentially AB could be putting me through. So I'm hanging in there. I mean, talk about the Red Sox ruining a perfect day. Uh, you know, the Patriots win 33-3. to It's hilarious. The Steelers, are Antonio Brown, you know, supposedly, we don't know, but he's supposedly laughing at the Steelers. And the Red Sox just have to fire Dombrowski that same day. Uh, so th- there's a lot of stuff to get to. I mentioned the Red Sox, you know, they have a new GM now. The Patriots have a new wide receiver. And the team looked unbeatable against the Steelers. So we'll get to Dombrowski. Let's start with the Patriots and start with last night. Uh, what were your initial thoughts on last night's blowout? I was very impressed, honestly. My main concerns have always been in regards to, especially with what recent news was, can we get Josh Gordon the full season in? Last night, I wasn't necessarily like impressed. He's meeting my expectations in regards to what he can do out there. But at the end of the day, I want him to be out there for a full season. And I think that's where Antonio Brown comes into play. But he's also has that potential to, you know, drift off into doing his own thing. And uh, last night was very impressive considering that the Steelers are still an AFC contending team. And to blow him out like that without Antonio Brown out there with the whole concern of, oh, we don't have Gronkowski. How's that going to go for this season? I was, I was, I was very impressed by that. Yeah, their talent just jumped off the screen. You just mentioned a Gronkowski at the end. I saw one stat, I think it was from Nick Underhill of The Athletic, who said they ran 24 plays all of last season without a tight end on the field, and they ran 25 plays of that such uh, that such formation last night. And it kind of really shows you what this team's game plan is going to be. They don't have a lot of tight ends. They don't have a lot of good tight ends, at least right now. And even when Ben Watson comes back, it's not like he's, you know, he's 38. It's not like he's going to light the world up. So they have a lot of great wide receivers. The plan is to get as many of them on the field as possible. I think that's the right move. Um, say what you want about Pittsburgh. Everyone still considers that to be a talented offense, and the Patriots looked like they weren't going to be satisfied unless they shut them out. And they probably would have if it went for that one play down the sideline of James Washington where it looked like Jason McCourty let up on his coverage a little bit. Uh, you know, they were just completely dom- dominant. Pittsburgh never stood a chance. Tom Brady 
he looked better than he ever did last year in the regular season and maybe save for that week five game against Kansas City. But uh, something you hear a lot of people say about the Patriots is, you know, well, they always start slow in September and they, they grow as the season goes along. So is this the worst they're going to look? <laughs> like, you know, I, I don't believe that, but I, I think this year's different based on last night. But it's kind of interesting to think about after watching what we did against them do against the talented Steelers team and knowing what we know about their schedule this season. I have to ask, Gio, can this team go undefeated? I, I mean, how seriously would you take that suggestion as of now? I mean, it's anything but an overreaction, right? You look at what we just did to Pittsburgh. We have Miami who, yeah, they, they, they play, and you saw what happened. You got players lining up at the GM's front office now saying, trade me, trade me, trade me, in a New York Knicks-type season. It's looking like what's going on over there. But no, you can't you can't rule it out. It's not insane at all when you look at what we have, what we're going to have, what we're going to add in. The fact that, you know, the Patriots last season weren't heavily targeting guys like Edelman, like Gronkowski, but Antonio Brown's a highly targeted guy. So you got to look at that, add him to the wide receiver mix. And the fact that that's predominantly where they're going to run their offense based off of, like I agree with you, you got to, that's definitely within the realm of possibilities. That has to be the conversation right now after a game like that, after a schedule like what we have. And heck, who knows what's going to happen in Miami next week? Yeah, I, I know it's just one game, but man, you know, I, I always thought coming into the season, the team was immensely talented and deep, especially on defense. And, and we saw it translate on the field last night. And, you know, the Steelers, you kind of mentioned it there, are going to be their toughest team, the toughest team that they face until maybe week eight against the Browns, who also looked pretty bad yesterday. So we can't <laughs> even say that confidently anymore. If I had to put a percentage on it, I might put it close to 10, maybe 15%. I, I think... They have a good chance to do it. That, that is pretty high when you're talking about undefeated. You know, if Pittsburgh can't even hang with them, then I don't see any AFC East team being able to hang with them at all, especially what we saw from those three dumpster fires yesterday. You mentioned it, Miami, 59 points to Lamar Jackson and RG3. <laughs> and, and players calling their agents saying, get me out of here. And the Bills, who had four turnovers on the road and still won. They still beat the Jets. So none of those teams can hang with the Patriots roster. Then they also play the Redskins, the Giants, and the Bengals, and the Browns at home. If you want to throw that in, there's a guaranteed win. After what we saw yesterday with them and the Titans, that is 10 of the Patriots' remaining 15 games. 67% of their schedule should be guaranteed wins. I know some of those games against the AFC opponents, AFC's opponents, are on the road, they're not after what we saw yesterday I'm pretty confident none of those teams are going to be able to beat the Patriots if if we're just to base it on what we saw from each in the one game we'll see what happens moving forward this season but based on what we've seen that's what I have to say so it, it really comes down to five games it's the Ravens the Eagles the Cowboys the Texans and the Chiefs three of those games are on the road it'll be hard I'm not guaranteeing it but 10 to 15 percent that's that's a pretty high percentage now that when we're talking about chance of going undefeated but I, I don't think it's unreasonable so um, I, I do, I want to continue to talk about the game, but I want to bring up Antonio Brown. I want to bring him into the mix a little bit more. What are your thoughts on as a whole on Antonio Brown? Do you like the player? Uh, do you like the person? I, I mean, I love the player. I have nothing against him as a player. It's, there's, I'm, I'm never going to take away a guy's, a guy's work ethic, a guy's, you know, the numbers he puts out there on the field, because those are things that you just can't argue against. But my issue is how are we going to have him for the full year? You know, is because... This, if any, there isn't an organization in football like the Patriots. We're not going to tolerate the type of stuff that was going on 
in Oakland and there's the million of conspiracy theories all oh, this was all planned and, and Gronk's gonna come back and this and that but don't that's all speculation nobody knows what what the hell happened let's go based off what we saw we saw him you know he wanted out of Pittsburgh he gets to Oakland it was looking like he was buddy buddy he was he was talking he was speaking highly of Derek Carr all of a sudden it all just blows up it, it's, it's like a relationship that just you know never really came into fruition and you know, we got the helmet issue. We got the I'm going to punch the GM in the face issue. We got the social media getting him out of there factor. I'm I'm going to give him a chance, you know, because at the end of the day, I realize what we're getting from him as a player. It's a one-year contract. Worst case scenario, he's gone. And we saw what they did last night without him. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm going to buy into it. I'm invested. Let me just, let's see what he can do. And if he can ride out the full year, then that'd be amazing. The potential is insane for adding a guy like Antonio Brown, a wide receiver of that caliber to this offense. It is. You know, I don't like what we've heard this offseason, obviously, but at the same time, I kind of have to give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, but people aren't factoring in enough with this drama is that the Raiders coach, John Gruden, worked at ESPN for years, and their GM, Mike Mayock, worked at NFL Network for years. So between them, they have enough media context in the two biggest networks, as far as football is concerned, to craft whatever Antonio Brown narrative they want. That, that, that was It was kind of scary. And the thing I point to with Antonio Brown is that video where he says, I'm free, I'm free. I think th- their power kind of legitimately scared him. And it, it was displayed in that clip. And also, you know, the report, everybody remembers that he threatened to retire if he didn't get to wear his helmet. A few days later, I saw an interview he talked to the media and said, I don't know where that came from. Who made that up? Why would I retire? And that never became really a story. And the public narrative kind of remained that Brown was going to retire if he didn't get his way. So that whole situation was just a little suspicious to me. And if you really want to simplify it beyond that, Antonio Brown wants to be a Patriot. He didn't want to be a Raider. So he should have you know a better kind of uh, mindset going into this than he did with Oakland. Besides that, as a player, you know Brown's great. We we all know that some of the some may have thought his play dipped last year. It really didn't. E- even with Juju in the mix, he had a career high in touchdowns with 15 and his sixth straight 100 catch season. So Antonio Brown is incredible. We all know that on the field, he's unguardable. What do you think his fit with the offense, Tom Brady, will be? Do you think he immediately slides in as the number one over Julian Edelman? 100 percent, 100 percent. You you got again, like I said with last season, I got a he was targeted 168 times alone. And the Patriots, with a, com- a combination of eight wide receiver, tight end mix, targeted 348 times. He's a highly targeted guy, and you know what he's going to do. 100%, I believe, he's going to be Tom Brady's number one. He can, you know, it's sort of like what, what Gronk was here, where Gronk was sort of that number one guy who got, you know, the Edelman's open for passes and it was sort of like a decoy. You're going to have to lock up a guy like Antonio Brown up when it comes to other defenses and the opposing teams. So I 100% think he's going to be the number one, yeah. All right, so, you know, I, I worry a little bit. I, I think he'll probably be the number one, too. Probably. I, I wonder, I, I want to see it first. But I kind of worry with the team as a whole that there might be too many mouths to feed. I mean, forget about even the Jacoby Myers of the world, who he had one catch last night and supposedly has a bright future, but he won't even see the field when Brown is here. Nikhil Harry, who's on IR right now, he's going to have a tough time getting playing time once he comes back. Once Brown is here, you'll have Demarius Thomas, Philip Dorsett, Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, and Julian Edelman. There's a lot of big personalities, and I worry that someone like Brown or Thomas or Gordon 
won't be getting the targets they want and will complain about their role and that could lead to issues. You know, throw Julian Edelman and Philip Dorsett into that concern as well. I don't think Edelman would ever complain about targets. I don't think he's that type of guy, but he does have a big personality and he's best friends with Tom Brady and I wonder how that'll sit with the other guys. Philip Dorsett has his own ego. He's a former first round pick who coming into last offseason said he wanted a bigger role in the offense and than he did last year. And he had a great game last night, so now he's justified in wanting that because he, he showed how good he can be. And I just mentioned Nikhil Harry, who's on IR. He's a first-round pick, too. He has his own ego. So if he's not seeing the field, he's not going to be happy. There were reports already that once he was placed on IR and reporters were talking to him, he was pretty annoyed about that in the locker room. So I worry that there are too many big egos in the receiver room. Do you share that concern? Yeah, I, I, think, you, I think you're spot on with that. Again, I think if anyone, I don't think Edelman would be the one to necessarily take issue with it considering he's always been sort of a guy who people, you know, counter his legacy with, well, he doesn't put these crazy numbers in the regular season, and then he completely just blows up the playoffs. But, yeah, with the Dorsett thing, with I have no idea what the, you know, the role is going to be like with Thomas on this team. But, yeah, and with, with Gordon, there's there's definitely that potential for, you know, a little bit of chemistry concern. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, so th- that's enough on the Patriots for now. I think we've, we've exhausted that bit of a great start. We'll see if they can go undefeated. Uh, let's get into the Red Sox and the firing of Dave Dombrowski. It dropped last night. You had a story on it. People should check it out on Guy Boston Sports. Uh, at the time, Gio, what do you th- what do you think about... Do you think this was intentional, that it drops last night right after the Patriots beat the Steelers 33-3, coming right off the season opener. Do you think they knew that that's the time to drop it so it wouldn't get as much attention? Because, I mean, we've known the Red Sox would do stuff like that. So do you think that was on purpose? I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, you know, John Henry has his little, you know, thing with the Boston Globe, whatnot, speculation, whatever. Um, but it was funny. I was talking to a security guard while I was there at the game last night, and I was telling him, yeah, this guy, I, I truly think he's gone. He's telling me, no, man, I've, I've been hearing around from other people. He's going to stay. He's going to be this and that. It was it was quite a bomb to drop out of nowhere. I didn't expect it after that loss. I thought at least you'd let him ride out the rest of the season and see what happens. But um, no, it was a hundred percent out of nowhere. I didn't expect it. You know, I was up till like two a.m. getting the story up. And um, but as far as the firing in itself, I expected them to let him go. Like a lot of people are saying, as far as like him being creative as a GM, he kind of lacks that. You look at some of the trade moves, like the. the um, Carson Smith and Tyler Thornburg. There was a whole lot of just, you know, the bullpen has always been like his kryptonite as a GM. And it seems like everywhere he goes, it's the same routine. You dump all this money in front of him and he gets the guys. He signs the David Prices. He signs the, you know, the JD Martinez's. And then he, he gives Chris Sale this incredibly questionable extension. But yeah, I, 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 that's 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 what I thought. I thought that it was gonna happen. He still struggled to put together, you know, a decent bullpen. I was looking at the Fenway bullpen from from where I was sitting, and they have so many guys I don't know that they fill out the entire bullpen, that little bench, and they had to bring out like little stools to put other guys sitting in. And I'm looking, I'm like, I can't name like 90% of the guys in there, and I can't remember the last time that you know I struggled to name 90% of my own team's bullpen. So that that should tell you something. No, Gio, you know what should tell you something? You wouldn't believe how many people were calling them asking for those guys at the trade deadline. Everybody, they, people were beating down their door wanting those guys on their team. All right, Babe Dabrowski, he couldn't even pick up the phone fast enough. There were so many people calling, but he turned down every offer. I think someone offered Mike Trout for Brandon Workman. He said no, he wouldn't take it. No, but in all seriousness, I mean, 
you, you talk about kind of the, the firing and leading up to it, there were some rumors. You thought it, he would last the season. He ends up not lasting the season. I think it was maybe the most telegraphed firing as far as, you know, like you said, it was a surprise that came midseason. But as far as we knew, he was going to get fired at some point here at the end of the year. I think it was probably the most telegraphed firing since Bobby Valentine. With John Farrell, it seemed like there was a question of him getting fired every year. So I don't really want to say that with him. We really didn't know. We all just wanted him to get fired, but we, we never know if he would. I think it, it's been the most telegraphed firing since Valentine. And I think the reason to do it now is perhaps just, hey, maybe just take it, the off chance that the team can somehow get motivated by a firing. Usually some, some teams do it with a manager or, you know, maybe a pitching coach or something like that. The GM, doesn't it, it doesn't affect the locker room directly, but maybe just the organization as a whole gets kind of, you know, gets a little spark from the firing. You just do it just to throw it out there. You know you're going to get rid of him anyway, so you might as well see if you can catch lightning in a bottle somehow with it. But do you think it was the right move, Gio? Should they have fired Dave Dombrowski? And what does it say additionally about the direction of the team? I guess personally me agreeing with the firing makes me just come off as an incredibly spoiled sports fan that we Bostonians are. But yeah, it's it's I kind of see it with, with them where a lot of the reports are they use the word creative and saying that he lacks that. I can see that. Like at base value, like yeah, the price move, the Martinez signing, the Kimbrel trade, like those are great moves. But Considering like what you have walking in here as a GM, they aren't difficult moves to make necessarily. You look at, you know, the Nathan Avaldi, Steve Pierce move. You got to give credit to him for it. But at the end of the day, I don't know if that was his intent. Like Nathan Avaldi was number one on his radar at that time, or Steve Pierce getting cut by the Toronto Blue Jays. It's like those were moves where you absolutely caught lightning in a bottle, where you had two World Series MVP contending guys that other teams weren't even looking at. And again, with the bullpen, it's you can't let guys like Kimbrough and Kelly walk. And 100%, you can say, you know, financially, that's the situation. You don't want to pay them. Fine. I, I agree with that. You know, Kimbrough was coming in the market talking about he wanted like, what, a hundred plus million dollar deal for like five plus years. He wasn't going to get that. That's fine. But you need to replace those guys with something of major league caliber talent. And you can't keep bringing up these Paul Tuckett arms that Lord knows where they came from. And you know, walk into the locker room and, and, and say, what do you say? You guys need to show me something. When you got guys like Bogarts, like Devers, like Vasquez putting up these incredible seasons, you got this offense being what they are in the rankings up the top, being number one in baseball and say, you guys aren't showing me something. You as a GM need to show them something and give them a little move, give them some wiggle room when your, your bullpen's blown 20 saves. That's incredible. You know, people talk about Dave Dombrowski and they say, well, you know, he had, like kind of you said, he has all this money to spend with the Red Sox, the moves. It's not very hard to do his job. At the same time, I look at it and say, so what are your expectations? If he's not winning the World Series every year, is that a failure? Because, yes, he has this incredible payroll, but it is it is still very hard to build a World Series winning team. And he still has puts up a good record year in and year out. And I feel like the drop-off from last year to this year is really killing him when it shouldn't be because last year was a record-setting year and people aren't giving enough credit for building that team. Yes, they had a high payroll, but every team with, you know, the biggest payroll in baseball doesn't have that kind of record. It doesn't happen. It's It was unbelievable what he did, even with the payroll they had, and he doesn't get enough credit for it. Now, in addition to that, you look at what he did with the Tigers, he was a great GM there too. So I, I personally think Dave Dombrowski is a really good GM, and, you know, you also hear people talk about Dave Dombrowski and say he doesn't know how to evaluate prospect. And that's why you need to move on from him because you might be trading Moogie Betts here and you need to be able to find other prospects and other systems and bring him in. 
I don't just I just don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, this is the same guy that traded away on Mancada and kept Benintendi. Overall, he's traded away a lot of prospects. We've talked about that. But he appears to be keeping the best ones. Devers, Chavez, if you want to throw him in there. I look at that and I'm actually encouraged by Dave Dombrowski's track record of evaluating young players based on that. But the consensus seems to be that he has no idea what he's doing when it comes to that part of the game. Why is that? See, here's my thing with Dave Dombrowski. This is what I call like the J.R. Smith effect, where it's his history and other organizations where it's become notorious that he can't build a bullpen and he only spends money. That follows him. So when a season like this comes into play, then people bring that up because that's sort of like the narrative everybody has of what he is as a GM. So I think it's it's sort of his history is playing against him, and that's, in a sense, kind of played into this firing. I'm not big onto the whole how he goes evaluating players, because as, as, personally, I'm one of these guys that thinks that the Red Sox are, quite frankly, terrible when it comes to the MLB draft, and I never buy into our prospects, especially when it comes to the pitching ones, because what we haven't landed once in, what, like John Lester in 06 or whatever, 04. But I just think it's a whole thing where it's your history is playing against you, and that's why people are you know raising the expectations and you're also you know trying to perform in a boston market with high expectations every season coming in so when you have that sort of like set in stone view that you're just a guy who can do this and you can't do that it really it really hurts you in a season like this and that's why you know the stories coming out are the stories that are coming out on him yeah i mean people you, you talked about it, his track record hurting him and i think that's true because look the Cubs are having a similar season to the Red Sox right now, but they have Theo Epstein, and we, we don't hear about Theo Epstein being fine. Now, the Cubs are barely in the wild card right now. They barely are holding on to the second wild card, but they're fighting for it right now with other teams in the National League, too. There's no, no guarantee that they make it, but Theo Epstein's job isn't on the line, and I think it's what you're talking about. It's their reputation as GM, and the Cubs, they almost have as high of a payroll as the Red Sox. I think it's only like $3 million less. They're right up there. They're second in the league in payroll. So it's basically the same situation, teams with the same expectation, teams that are coming off World Series recently, and Dave Dombrowski gets fired, and Theo Epstein's job is pretty much in lock, and I think that's kind of where the the Red Sox are making a mistake here. I think Dave Dombrowski's a good GM. If you're chasing someone who's going to be perfect and make every single move correctly, you're not going to find it because that's just not the way the world works. So I wouldn't have fired Dave Dombrowski. He's the guy that I would have wanted here. Personally, I don't think this is a great place to work as a GM anyway, because Dombrowski, I honestly think he did a really good job as the GM. He made some mistakes. Yes, he couldn't build a bullpen, but ultimately they still won a World Series despite that. And I think people are underrating how difficult it was to do that. It's not easy to build a World Series team just because you have a $220 million payroll. It is still very tough to win the World Series. And he, he really just does not get enough credit in my mind. Looking forward to the team's future, Eddie Romero takes over as GM. He's someone that they maybe not just have plans to be the interim GM, someone that could be a long-term option for them. Do you think that that will be the case, that Eddie Romero will stay on as GM, and will the direction of the team be to trade Moogie Betts and go into a small little rebuild or retool here? I mean, it appears as though Eddie Romero is going to be the guy. He was a guy that before this firing even took place was rumored to be, you know, the Red Sox guy. I don't know a whole lot about Romero. I'm, I'm, from what I've seen, he's been here since even, like, before the Sherrington firing, so he's kind of gotten a first-hand view of, of, you know, what what could be with, with him walking into that office and in that spot. As far as bets goes, I it's it's did you see his recent quote where he was like Yes, I did, yeah. Yeah, that's a scary one. I don't it's really concerning what goes down. Every year with arbitration, the Red Sox have some type of battle with him and, and getting him back. You have him and you have Martinez. It's it seems like Martinez would probably be the easier guy to bring back 
considering what Betts is going to be looking for in the free agent market when he looks at contracts like like Nolan Arenado, like Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, and even Mike Trout, since he's one of these guys now. It's it's going to be very difficult in my mind to bring him back, and it's it's looking like as the days go by, it's more and more unlikely, to be honest. Yeah, I, the quote was, by the way, I love it here, but definitely still business, which, like you said, concerning kind of points to maybe him leaving, maybe him looking at Suzanne, already hinting that, that already. Very disappointing, and I do think it speaks to the Red Sox future, just to answer my own question there. I think, yeah, this pro- this definitely means that they're probably going to look to trade bets this offseason, and they're, I mean, Dabrowski's a GM that you bring in to compete right away to make the, 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 the big blockbuster moves like he did with J.D. Martinez and other guys, you know, make finish those moves. And by the way, I mean, people say, yes, you throw the checkbook at David Price, you get him here, you, you do the same thing with J.D. Martinez and you get him here. You still have to have a good relationship with those agents to get get here. Price still could have walked to the Cardinals if he wanted to. He, he and I do think Dave Dombrowski is genuinely good at that. And I don't think it'll take him very long to get a GM job. I think maybe he has to take a year off. But once a team that wants to compete fires their GM, I think Dombrowski's probably the number one option to bring in. I mean, that, I I think very highly of Dombrowski. I, I'm disappointed that they fired him, but hopefully Romero can be good. We've seen how bad it can be with the, with other GMs. I mean. Ben Charrington wasn't very good. He won a World Series as well, but he did, he he went in the tank, unlike Dave Dombrowski did. Okay, so Dombrowski had a more talented team, but you know we'll see how all this stuff plays out. Geo, thank you for joining us, guys. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at kjlgbs. Follow Geo on Twitter at sportsguygeo, and follow the Boston Sports Report on Twitter at Boston Sports BSR. You can follow the pod on Twitter at Wicked Smart Pod. Check out everything over at Guy Boston Sports. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week.